Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. Coming up. They're saying, hey, let us have a seat at the table and let us have some kind of say in this, or at least let us share our concerns about this. For Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. You're listening to The Daily Crime. In recent years, cities all over the United States have been testing and implementing a relatively new technology designed to detect gunshots. The oceanfront right there, a new gunshot detection system is now up and running. Now they're going to be added to an area of Aldine that has a crime rate that's 60% higher than the national average. It uses a, a, a very complicated algorithm. Gunshot detection technology alerts them within seconds when the shots are fired. We can now find out about these, respond, respond accurately. The idea is to decrease gun violence, but does it work? That's a question residents and elected officials in San Diego have been asking as their contract with the company that makes the technology is up for renewal. They've been in Southeast neighborhoods for five years here in San Diego. Police say it's a critical tool to stop gun violence, but community groups say this type of surveillance needs more oversight. Abby Alford joins us from CBS 8 in San Diego. Abby, you've been covering the San Diego City Council's consideration of extending a contract with a company and a technology called ShotSpotter. And I wanted to talk about this because this is a technology used around the country and a number of cities are having a similar debate as San Diego right now. Let's start with this. What is ShotSpotter and and what is it supposed to do? Well, it's an audio detection tool, and they're these little audio sensors that are often put on light poles, and it senses when there is gunfire. So police will say that it is a tool, a smart tool for them to be able to detect when there's gunfire, respond quicker um, when there is a gunfire detected from these sensors. It then will send to officers' smartphones. It's then sent to dispatch. So they say their response rate is even sooner because they, police will tell you that fewer people will call 911 when they hear shots. But if there's this uh, shot spotter out there, then police will actually know about it and be able to respond. So how good are these devices at actually distinguishing between a gunshot and say, you know, another loud noise, a firework or a car backfiring, something like that? That's been a lot of this criticism out there is that they say with some of these um, sensors or alerts per se, um, they're false alerts. So they're not um, gunfire. It could be a car backfiring. It could be a fireworks call, which as we know nationwide, especially during the pandemic, firework calls um, were at an all-time high. Um, And there's other types of false alerts that there are out there. And I mentioned that this is used, it's not just in San Diego, it's used all over the country. Can you give us a sense of how many cities are using ShotSpotter right now? I don't have the exact number, but I know it is over 100 cities across the country. 
And when did this first come into San Diego? And when that happened, how was it received? It came in 2016. So it's now been five years. And that's why this contract is up for um, renewal. And I think in 2016, there was just as much critics. They um, do say that they weren't involved. They Their voices were not at the table when this was being implemented, that this was kind of rushed through and not really publicized. Um, but uh, with something like this, it did need to go through council. So there was discussions and there was debate about it. Let's fast forward five years. Now it's very public um, that police and the city of San Diego use shot spotter. And um, in a time of where we are right now, we have surveillance watchdogs out there that say that this needs to be unplugged Right now, there's no need for it. And if there is a need for it, and if we are going to have it, we need to have a community voice at the table. We need to have oversight. We need to know exactly what is this data? Are these false alerts? Um, what is it being used for? So they want more transparency like many do when we know that there are surveillance tools out there. It's bad for San Diegans. It's ineffective. It's costly. We don't believe that the city should be considering contracts such as shot spotters until there's a community oversight board. And the area that it's in in San Diego, we're talking about a less than four mile square radius that it covers or it touches a few different neighborhoods. Why did the city choose these parts in particular of San Diego? San Diego police say that according to their data, that this area, this 3.6-mile uh, radius, um, has the highest number of gun crimes. And it is in the southeastern part of San Diego, which is predominantly black and brown communities. And so that is another issue with this of why are there these racial disparities of, of where you're putting these shot spotters? Why isn't it in other areas? This is indicative of systems that have failed our communities over and over again and have over-policed, um, have produced mass incarceration. How much does this program actually cost? How much is the city paying to cover this 3.6 square mile radius in San Diego with shot spotter technology? Well, for a one-year contract up to four years, it's $1.1 million. So the city is shelling out what amounts to hundreds of thousands of dollars each year then to set this up. Here's a question that that I know is is a difficult one. Does the technology work? Is there evidence that it actually decreases gun violence? I think that depends on who you talk to. You know, there are the surveillance watchdogs out there. They question um, the data that's out there. They question... Um, you know, they there are accusations that police are is telling shot spotter to let's say they're calling it tampering, but maybe changing the way data is um, reported or maybe changing how the triggers are. Um, that's kind of one of the things that have been thrown out there that um, we don't really know this full picture of what the reality is of these of this program. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. 
As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. And so this all brings us to what's going on now. The city's contract, as you mentioned with ShotSpotter, is up for renewal, possibly even expansion by the sound of it. First off, who are the proponents of keeping the program and what do they say is the reason for wanting it around? Well, first, San Diego police are um, big time proponents. I mean, kind of on a side note here, after my story had aired the next day, San Diego police sends out a news release on how ShotSpotter helped them um, in a case where no one had called 911. Um, They're was the the shot spotter uh, detected gunshots. They were able to get there and um, there was like gunfire that had gone into a house. Um, and so, you know, they wanted to tout the program that like, look, this really works. Wish I'd had that information the day before, at least tell me a couple other examples of when shot spotter worked. But the day of our story, they said they weren't commenting about it. Um, you do have city council members that are for this. Um, the day I did this story and was trying to find out why the city council had um, sent this back to staff, um, the mayor's office had said that it still needs to be under further review. But I think some people thought, well, maybe there's an opportunity, maybe there's a chance that they are going to unplug uh, Shot Spotter. But that is just the opposite. The mayor's office says that it will be brought back to the city council. In fact, that they are considering expanding Shot Spotter, but at the same time, considering removing it from this 3.6 mile radius that we're seeing in these four communities right now in San Diego, which is in a certain council member's district area, and that's District 4. Um, she has um, requested that it be removed, but at the same time, they're considering expanding Shot Spotter across the city. So that really, you know, raises some eyebrows on, oh, well, this isn't going anywhere. There's still a lot more discussion that needs to go on. And, um, you know, the mayor's office um, has said that gun crimes have um, drastically increased across the city recently. So a tool like this is needed. Um, San Diego police, um, while not on the topic of shot spotter, um, they've been on a campaign to um, really show us um, the number of ghost guns that they have confiscated. They tell us that um, gang-related shootings are up 129%, and many of those are are connected to ghost guns, which ghost guns are unserialized uh, weapons um, and illegal. So those are the big-time proponents of of um, shot spotter. And you've talked about some of the criticism the program has received over the years. What are critics and, and activists saying now that the contract is up for potential renewal? They're saying, hey, let us have a seat at the table and let us have some kind of say in this, or at least let us share our concerns about this. Um, in the fall, last last fall, the San Diego City Council um, passed two ordinances unanimously that kind of give regulatory oversight to surveillance programs like ShotSpotter. So then that way, when you have these regulatory um, oversight, then you get to really see what is that data? What is it being used for? So the community really wants to be able to have some transparency here. At the start of this conversation, we talked a little bit about false alerts, these instances where a sound that 
isn't a gunshot sets off the shot spotter sensors. And I know that's become another pretty big part of this ongoing debate over contract renewal. What did some of the critics you spoke with say about these false alerts? Yes. Yeah, so one of the critics is is or the criticisms of this is that, you know, by having the this high number of false alerts, this creates this unnecessary tension. So officers will arrive on the scene and they think that somebody is armed with a weapon. So everyone they say becomes a target. No one is really innocent per se. So then you know, when you have these police interactions with the community and the tensions are high, and you're already assumed to carry a weapon. You know, this is where we've seen these issues in the past of um, tensions being raised between police and the community, and and what are we and what's that going to lead to? So they believe that these false alerts lead to this unnecessary tension. In a San Diego police PowerPoint for council, it says that officers responded to 417 shot spotter activations in a two-year period, and 62 were connected to gun-related crimes. But attorney Jonathan Manitz with the MacArthur Justice Center in Chicago questions the data nationwide and says that false alerts create unnecessary tension. It creates dangerous situations every time the police are sent out um, thinking that they are um, entering an extremely dangerous situation. And what about the company? What's been their response to the concerns that have been raised over false alerts? When I had reached out to ShotSpotter about this, um, the PR firm had me ask, they wanted them to respond to like certain types of questions and some of the rebuttals. And so when I asked them about their false positives and their false negatives, that's what they kind of wanted to explain that we can't just say false alerts. So they say false negatives are if like gunfire is detected, but there's no evidence of any type of gunfire, but a false positive is say a firework. So, you know, if they want to get into semantics, that's how they categorize that. Um, but they say that um, ShotSpotter exceeds their guarantee of at least 90% detection accuracy um, because customers report false positives or negatives directly to the company. So this, I guess, enables them to honor um, their service guarantee. And that's when they get into that ShotSpotter has maintained, maintained a 97% accuracy rate I'm including a 0.5% false positive rate aggregated across all the customers. But again, some of the critics question um, that data because they say that ShotSpotter has never released its data on false alerts, false positives, false negatives. Um, They say that Each gunfire that's detected by their sensors is or all their sensors are reviewed in an incident review center, um, probably more like a quality assurance type thing um, to see how it's performing. But I think it really gets down to um, people just wanting to see this hard data and what has it done and what does it really do um, and accurate data. Getting that, um, of course, has been um, pretty painstakingly tough. So where do things stand as of right now with this shot spotter contract in San Diego? What's the latest? They, the mayor's office has not given a timeline, um, but they did say that by no means is this going away. Um, it will be coming back to the council for a vote, but getting to that point is still unclear. Um, because again, the community is, you know, has this public outcry that they want to be a part of this conversation. We'll we'll be keeping an eye on it. And anyone looking to learn more about this can check out your reporting at cbs8.com. Abby Alford in San Diego. Thanks for coming on. 
Well, thank you, Reed. And thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Crime. We're here five days a week, Monday through Friday. So make sure you hit subscribe or follow on whatever app you're using to listen to this right now. If you're looking for more true crime, you can find all of our shows at vaultstudios.com. That includes our weekly podcast, True Crime Chronicles. That'll do it for this one. Until next time, for Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond.